Oh, perfect, Kevin's here. Yay! Boom, Devin Nikova in the hizzy. Hey, and look, I see the little oh, recording. Uh, look how handsome. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, there was no way I was going to forget the recording mic this time. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> so, and there, oh, there, oh, I see. I'm going to take a picture of this experience. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I should go to gallery view and do one. There we go. Nice. Nice, people. Nice. Well done. All right. So I have an actual script today. I went back to my uh, my uh, written, written down script. So uh, let me go through this real quick. Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm your host and joining me today is, of course, Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? And Devin Nakoba. Howdy. And, well, we have Justin Young here already hey. on the... Uh, it works a little differently now that we have it on the Zoom thing. But before we begin, let me remind our listeners of all the ways you can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They're all at High Sessions. And then you have SoundCloud. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and if you have any questions or any comments, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. If you would like to help grow the show and get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. There you can get more involved with the show and help to determine who and what is filmed. It's been a while, so I want to do this because I've been kind of putting it off, but um, thank you to Brother Norm, Brother Ron, Brother Joe. I'm trying not to use full names. Brother Joe. Uh, someone that just goes by the name of Old Fart, Sister <laughs> Andrea, <laughs> and Brother Lico hey, for all of our new money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> yeah, uh, those yeah, are all our it. new uh, uh, patrons. You don't have to give yourself like a secret name. It's fine. I figure that's how you guys would know me best. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, uh, joining us today is singer songwriter from Hawaii. Mr. Justin Young. Justin, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. And it's about damn time. <laughs> I, I was saying before we started recording, and this is recording, um, that... Yeah, it is finally. Okay. Yeah, I, every, every time we do these shows, I put, I put out to everybody, hey, do you have any questions for our artists and all that kind of stuff? And uh, We get like maybe one or two questions per artist, but I have a list of just questions for Justin. So... We'll get to those in a little bit, but where are you currently? You look like you're at home in Tennessee there, buddy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still consider Hawaii home, but I am living in Nashville currently. I've been here for like two and a half years, um, and I'm kind of stuck here currently <laughs> based yeah, yeah, yeah. on <laughs> current conditions, but yeah. Have you been out at all, like, uh, or has it just been locked down since March like the rest of us? I've been pretty locked down. Um, I did do a brief, very careful trip to LA last week. Other than that, I went to the oh. doctor twice and to Whole Foods twice, and that was it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so is this mostly you and the pets? Yes, 100%. How many dogs <laughs> are you up to now? Uh, just two. We have a pit bull named Dorothy and a little mutt named Mate, uh, okay. who's wonderful. I knew Mate from, from previous posts and things like that. She's a very famous dog. 
she, right? He is. She is a, he is a very famous dog. I'm sorry. He looks like an old lady. It's okay. <laughs> but, Where is oh. he right now? Huh? Where is he? Uh, he's like right here by my feet. Oh, yeah, let's take a look at him. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> pick up the 80 pound dog. Uh, you can't see him. He's. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there yeah. he is. Yeah. Oh, cute. Uh, and might as well give you Dorothy too. There's Dorothy. In her little bed over there. Oh yeah. Oh. Ah. She's all going to bed, dude. <laughs> She's in. She like goes in his bed, and he goes in her big bed. <laughs> so funny. Well, yeah. have you adjusted to life in uh, Tennessee? Wait, Kyle, you gotta get up closer to the microphone again. Have you adjusted to life in Tennessee? Is everything like uh, kind of commonplace for you now? Or are you still kind of settling in? Um. No, I think I've adjusted to it. I don't know if it'll ever feel like a supernatural fit for me living here. Um, but I, that's part of the appeal, I guess, in coming here. It was like a whole new experience and something that I never really had expected to. I, I never thought I'd be living in Nashville or Tennessee or in the South at all. So I was just kind of open to the new experience. And, and I've, I'm glad I made the move. Um, and I'm kind of ready to, to make another move. <laughs> but, how, did, uh, how, how did it happen that you ended up there out of all places yeah i mean uh, we were looking for we were be, like between places in in la and we decided to sort of expand the search outside of just la and we came to nashville occasionally to hang out with um jason and nelly and some other friends the other two members of gone west and um so while we were like trying to find a place to live we were looking at houses in nashville and la we found a place that we really liked and um you know I had never particularly been drawn to Nashville, but the idea of living in New City um, really appealed to me. So I was I was just kind of open to, to to the experience of it. Cool, cool. And so when it comes to Gone West, uh, what is your guys' schedule like? I know I was talking to um, Jake, who's another person who tours a lot, and he just said like it's just pandemonium because everybody still wants the shows, like they don't want to. Can't, they're just trying to move the shows, but then now that people are trying to move shows back, then he has shows that are, you know, booked out that now they're trying to schedule. Is that kind of what you guys are going through as well? I think there are like maybe two shows that got postponed on the books, but most people, as far as I know, are just waiting to see what happens because mm. it's so hard to tell, you know, when we'll be able to do live music again because I, I, I feel like that'll probably be one of the last things that um, is allowed, you know. Right. That'll be like the final stage of us getting over this situation. So, so yeah, right now, I mean, we were supposed to be on tour and we had lots of stuff planned and um, we've just been trying to, you know, do streaming things and we were separated in different houses. Well, we still are. Um, so like quarantining separately has been kind of tricky to sync stuff up and it just, there's less travel, but there's more like um, technical work of trying to like, you know, mix down all of us playing live at different times and syncing stuff and then putting the videos together and all that stuff. So it's just kind of changed the work a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Oh, be huh? Sorry. You got three questions all at once. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Jesus. Um, who, who does most of the mixing down and stuff? Is that you? It's either me or Jason and Nelly does some stuff too. She's really good on pro tools. So it kind of yeah. just depends like, um, the, this last group of videos, Jason did it cause we tracked it hit at their house. Um, but, uh, yeah, we all, except other than Colby, we all are pretty proficient at pro tools. So it kind of depends. We share, share the workload. 
Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, okay, now guys, cool. You kind of know what the lockdown is like in Hawaii. I was just wondering what it's like in Tennessee. Is it a lot more, you know, restricted or is it a lot more looser than Hawaii? It's a lot more loose. I mean, they were like, like towards the end of uh, instating like a shelter in place and they were early to open up. And I went out today to UPS to pick up something and ship something out and I would say most people aren't wearing masks. I was wearing mine. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of s- slightly offended that people aren't, cause it's like, well, you can do what you want with your health, but your mask protects me from you. So at least when you go out in public, I don't know, I'm wearing my mask for your benefit. I would, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot more um, lax, I would say here. Uh, and hopefully that doesn't come back to uh, ha- haunt the city. Yeah. Yeah, here pre- people are pretty good about the masks. I've a couple of times I got caught because um, like I caught a ride with someone. I usually keep my mask in my car. So then mm-hmm. I get to where I'm going. I'm like, oh man, like, but it's too late. I don't have anything with me. So I just, I, one was I went to uh, Pyology. It's a pizza place out there. And yeah, I was getting some dirty looks. But You should take your shirt off and wrap it around your face. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. That's you know, you're going to get more dirty looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> Jealousy, man. Jealousy. Yeah, Damn it. Yeah. I was trying to come up with something quick, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, any plans to uh, visit, visit home or have you been in touch with anybody here lately? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in touch with some of my friends I grew up with. I've been in touch with uh, Sean P. Mattel uh, about once a week and P.E. Miguel about wow. once a week. They reach out and, you know, see how I'm doing. And uh, I, I mean, this is the, actually the longest duration i've been away from hawaii in my life mm. right because uh last year's touring schedule was just crazy and trying to get back home from nashville is is so much harder than la um and and now i, I can't really get back over there so yeah as soon as things open up and it makes sense my plan is to go home for a bit and yeah i move in with devin <laughs> <laughs> my son's not using his room but come on down Perfect, perfect. I don't know if you fit in the bed, but well, <laughs> not really my problem. <laughs> or is it your problem? Well, well, Justin, eight. Take, take us back a little bit because I was with you. Um, you know, uh, we were hanging out quite a bit back in the day, and I think like 2003 when you decided to leave to come to the mainland. And I, I believe I was the anti-leaving Hawaii crowd. Me and Fiji. That's right. And, uh, admitted to you later on that I was completely wrong, that uh, you made the right decision. But uh, yeah, what, what was going through your head at that time and how have things been? Or, you know, just as someone who's gone through that, maybe artists, because there's a lot of artists actually lately that have been moving up to LA and doing those kind of things. Um, you know, just uh, how, how your journey went. Yeah, no, and uh, I do remember you calling me at one point and saying like, Hey, I was wrong about you leaving. I don't even, I mean, it wasn't like a big deal. It's not like you were like, you're an idiot for leaving the Island. God. Um, that's totally what he said to us. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Fiji was the other one that was like, why are you leaving? You have everything you need right here. And I was like, I don't, I just, yeah. So I think for me, it was like, I'd always wanted to do, like I started with the goal of doing music outside of Hawaii. And then I kind of, fell back in love with the music that I grew up with. And then it was a natural thing to start there. Um, but it was never like the final destination of what I had in mind for, for what I wanted to do. Um, 
And it just made sense. I found an entertainment studies program at the UCLA Extension. And um, at the time, uh, Carlos Villalobos, who was doing like music in Hawaii, was moving to LA. And he was like, you can rent a room for me. So everything just kind of fell into place. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was scary. And I, I mean, I <laughs> probably the first couple of years when I was there, maybe once a week I went to the mall and I'd go to like my classes. And other than that, I had no contact with other humans because <laughs> I didn't really like know anybody and I didn't know how to get into the music scene out there. Um, and I finally like ended up taking like a demo and a headshot at the times what you did and dropping it off at like some bars and restaurants in, in and around where I lived and started getting, you know, these five hour solo cover gigs at like Burbank, Brown Grill and Gordon Biersch and these places. Um, and at the time that was, it was really helpful for me. Um, cause I, I didn't really play guitar much when I sang, I wasn't really comfortable with it. I stood on stage and with a microphone, uh, looking like an idiot. And my friends would tell me that I look like I got shot cause I would just stand there and sing like this. Um, <laughs> uh, but these gigs, like, I feel like I knew, I knew like 11, 11 or 12 songs and I would just like stretch them out and repeat them over five hours and hope, hope that the dinner, you know, tables would turn over so they wouldn't hear the same stuff. Not like they were really listening anyway, but it definitely helped me like kind of woodshed and try out new material and learn new songs in a, in a place that was really pretty comfortable and without a lot of stress. So I do credit that a lot to um, progress that I made. And then at one point um, it just, I was doing it three to four nights a week and you know, it's hard doing it that much, bringing your gear and setting up all the equipment and playing for people that aren't really listening. And it kind of took a toll on me for a bit. And, you know, in the meantime, I was showcasing for labels and working with the producer in New York and having all these opportunities that I thought were going to lead to something. And they all just kind of like nothing panned out and they evaporated. And I was feeling pretty burnt out and cynical at that point. And that was kind of close to the time that I met Colby <clears throat> and she we, she was just, she liked my music. I liked her music and we hung out a few times. And then a few months later, she was like huge and out on tour. And um, I got a call from Tim Fagan, who was in her band from the beginning, who's also from Hawaii, graduated from Punahou that I had known from the LA music scene. And he was like, hey man, you know, what are you doing um, next week? And I'm like, no, I don't know. He's like, you want to do the Tonight Show with us? And I was oh. like, ah, yeah, whatever. And he's like, no, no, we're looking for a, uh, they're looking for a guitar player that can sing like a girl or a female keyboard player to add to the band. <laughs> and you're like, I'm your man. <laughs> you know, I got this. <laughs> um, yeah, so. John Berger, I can sing just like a girl. Okay, okay. <laughs> testosterone, testosterone free. I got, I'm here for you. <laughs> shout out to john berger um <laughs> you'll be happy you're gonna make his you're gonna make his thing nice. yeah he, he's great I, I don't harbor any bitterness but um yeah so uh i went and auditioned and that kind of like saved me i don't know where i would be had that not come into my life at that time because i was actually really feeling kind of lost with everything and trying to figure out how to get fired up and start moving in a new direction of some sort, having tried everything. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, but I guess 
I, I stuck it out long enough until something came along that kept me going again. Well, what was that show that you did that was like, uh, Jamin Wong was on it. It was on MTV and you had like this big necklace thing on and, and you said, I never did uh, that show. Huh? I never did that show. I did BET live. BET live. Yes. Yeah. I would, um, love, I would love to get the videotape of that, but it's probably. Yeah, me too. I, I've, I, there's all these terrible videos of my entire career <laughs> online, but that's not one of them. I, I probably have it on a VHS somewhere um, in, in my mom's old stuff, which would be funny. We actually shot a music video for that song in uh, oh, Ohio. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I was on like a private jet wearing a fur coat. It was so, <laughs> so amazing. But I, I can't, what's that? You go, boy. Yeah, yeah. You go right back to where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you want, uh, Justin, I'll send you the link of uh, Devin singing No Diggity. Oh, dude. Yesterday with, with Sunway's band. Do you it know was, another song? I do, actually, <laughs> but that's the only song they ever want me to do. Uh, I'm glad nothing's changed since I left. No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely I'm stuck in whatever time frame I'm in. No, and uh, John, John gave me the best compliment ever. He goes, hey, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> that was his compliment to me about the singing. I said, thank you. I was standing in my kitchen, and I, I had it on just in the background. I'm like... Someone singing no diggity, and I look over and I'm like, Oh my god, it's Devin. So I walk over and listen, I'm like, Wow, it's actually not bad. Like, he's hitting the notes, he's like, Yeah, you know, like he's not, yeah, he's not butchering the song, but yeah. then, but it's Devin singing no diggity, so there's there is a comical element to it, thanks. Right? It's just intrinsic in it, you know. And <laughs> by now, you should be good at singing that damn song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I do remember, yeah, you you going out and doing the BET thing and then doing the, the solo gigs for a long time and, and, and all of that. So people look at you now and they think, oh, you just went up to LA and ran into Kobe Calais and then, boop. and there's a lot of other artists too that um, I, I was surprised that you knew, like uh, Kina Granis and Sarah Bareilles, who were complete, you know, startups at the time that you were singing and doing stuff too and, and just, uh, yeah, they they all hit, and uh, you you met Co you you know you do your thing and all that stuff. <laughs> Come on, Come John, on. get yourself on this one. Come on, you no, can no, do no, it. no, no, no. You know what I'm saying, right? I no, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is cool. It is cool to like look back and like, oh, there was a class of musicians that I actually was around in that time frame. Um, uh, Andy Grammer's another one. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, there's a bunch of people that we were all sort of playing the same stuff at the same time and to see them all succeed uh, has been really cool. Yeah. And I'm not bitter at all. No, <laughs> and I found my own path. So, and they're all such wonderful people too. So, I mean, it's really, it, it's, it really is great to see that and to be, you know, to have been there when they were playing for nobody too. It's, it's, it's awesome. Was there anybody that um, you were like, wow, this, this person's really sucks. But then they ended up being really popular. <laughs> uh, not, not that I knew. I mean, obviously, that I've heard like <laughs> artists that are like 
haven't released stuff yet from like Colby's label or other people in the industry that are like, Oh, you should check this out or they're going to be blown up. And you're like, <laughs> and then they do. And it's unbelievable. This is not, um, connected to your question, but Bruno was out there at the same time too. And he's obviously incredible, but he would come to my gig at Burbank bar and grill every Sunday and sing karaoke on the inside stage. Wow. Full on like choreography. And everyone would just kind of laugh at him and be like, no, he's got a good voice, you know, but I have a, actually an audio clip from back then where you can hear him in the background going, when I say Bruno, you say it's hot, Bruno. And like, nobody's saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah, so he's another one that was out there too at the same time, you know, he's done some things. Yeah. He's doing all right for himself. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I want to get to these questions because, uh, like I was saying, Every time we do one of these podcasts, I put out questions like, hey, if anybody has any questions for this artist or this guest or whatever, you know, please email us or send us a, a note over Instagram or whatever. And I just got bombarded with, uh, with questions. So I want to make sure we get to these because, uh, yeah, I can't believe people even listen to this podcast. So the fact that they're asking questions, you know, we got to, you know, at least get, get these up there. But I'm going to start. want us to be talking, so. Yeah, no one wants to hear what we say anyway. So so the first few questions comes from the ink dog and I'm starting off with this person because they're a Patreon. So Ah. they're going to get their questions asked first because we don't get to all of them. At least I know we got to our Patreon. Okay. So Justin, uh, the first question she has, he or she, I don't know if she's here. One, two, I always think it's a she, but two, three, four. We have four. We have four questions from, from this person. The first one is, uh, do you collect anything or have accumulated any possessions in your travels that invoke especially poignant or happy memories for you? Yeah, I would say the things like from tour and stuff that I, or even just in general, the trinkets that I enjoy are, uh, are coffee mugs. I have way too many coffee mugs. Really? Yeah. And it's just like, I have them from like my favorite coffee places that I've been to on the road or different you know, cities or like I have a couple from my mom and like, I don't know, it's just kind of fun every morning to pop open the cupboard and be like, man, what, what's my mood? What coffee cup? And, um, (laughs) (laughs) coffee is important. And then the other thing also coffee related, the thing that I do seek out on the road to like bring back is like good coffee beans from like a local roaster of wherever we are. That's kind of fun. I used to do like, like, you know, the best, like, um, road food that had a book called road food and that was like some npr thing and every city it listed like the best like greasy spoons you could go to but uh i couldn't keep that up <laughs> so i transitioned <laughs> to coffee and it kind of makes it like interesting every morning when you show up in a new place and you're like uh, you know what adventure can i get into to find a you know a delicious cup of coffee somewhere in a place that i've never been oh i should ask this question do you guys when you do tour do you go on do you stay on the bus or do you guys get hotel um it depends uh the bus is preferable and then we usually have a room that we can go and use during the day but because you're driving at night you're sleeping on the bus and sometimes it's easier just to not haul your stuff upstairs but um a lot of times like last year it was all for the most part it was promo so we were flying or in a van for which is very grueling the bus is it can be tricky. The bus tour we did last year, it was full. So it's like 12 people is, is really oh, wow. tight. Yeah. Um, but 
and it didn't have a slide out, so it didn't expand when it was parked. So, I mean, but you still get to sleep in the same bed, and you don't have to, like, go to the airport every day. So, the bus life is – and I used a maternity pillow to help me sleep. It was awesome. <laughs> the maternity pillow? Yes, Devin. You don't have to be pregnant to <laughs> enjoy a maternity pillow. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What hold is on, that? So, you went on and bought this pillow that – what? Is it U-shaped? It goes between your legs, right? No, I mean, it can't. It, it is like a huge, like, U-shaped pillow. So you use it under your neck, but then it hugs you on either side because I'm a side sleeper, and on the bus, you're constantly, like, being tipped oh. over. So I would say it improved my sleep quality by about 30% every night, and that, to me, is a win. <laughs> so make fun all you want. <laughs> I got to try that because I'm a slide sleeper too, but I don't sleep on the bus. <laughs> well, try it. You might yeah. like it. I mean, it's worth a shot. It's not that expensive. Also, maternity pants. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep in scrubs from the hospital. Oh, yeah. Those I've... are super, super cool. Totally. Okay, uh, second question. What is the best life lesson you've learned from your beloved animal companions? Oh, man. I'll, I'll, I think there's two things. One... Um, see you later, John. <laughs> <laughs> He's listening. He's listening. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, um, We're still here. We're I know, still I know, here. I know, I know. Um, I would say like just being present. I, sometimes I just watch them the way that they interact with the world and they, they're so in the moment. They're always, even if they get into it with each other or they have a, or there's somebody walking by that they're mad at, as soon as it's, they're gone, they're just like back to, you know, smelling the wind or noticing how things are moving. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like there is some wisdom in that presence that you can see just at any moment in a dog or really any animal. Um, and then I've always felt like, you know, dogs lives are so much shorter than ours, which sucks. But I feel like having dealt with the loss of my dogs prepared me for like a bigger losses in my life. And I always felt like it's like the last year company gives you the opportunity to, to grieve and mourn something that's not necessarily, obviously it's, it's a big deal, but it's not like losing a child or a parent or other things that you will encounter that may be harder to process. So I've always felt like, you know, maybe that's why they only live, you know, 10, 12 years or whatever it is, um, because they really give you an opportunity to experience that. Yeah. That's like that's a good answer. I, I my my daughter's really into dogs. She wants one so bad, but she's allergic, so we can't, we can't oh. get. I I, I want to get one, but uh, aren't there breeds? Yeah, but she's have. allergic to the saliva. Oh, so I, I don't oh. know how how we would figure that out. Yeah, I don't think there's any such thing as a um, saliva-less dog. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely some with more saliva because we had yeah. a Saint Bernard. Yeah. Oh, um, Dylan is Dylan is allergic to the saliva too, and. Our dog is the only dog he's fine with. Oh, really? Mm. Oh. What kind of dog do you have? Um, oh, everything's uh, froze. Oh. Oh. Oh, I did or? No, no. Okay, now, now we're good. Oh, okay. Um, we have uh, multi-poop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Devin walking around the block with his multi-poop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always imagine Devin, <laughs> yeah, walking yeah. his multi and singing no diggity. <laughs> 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 
Okay, okay. Next question. Um, I'll answer this question. Do you think there will be another Y2J collaboration? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yeah, probably, because at some point I'm going to call Justin and be like, hey, I'm working on this thing. Can you help me with this? And uh, that'll, be, that'll be that. And I'm not going to say no. Bring it okay, on. man. And I would never say no. I don't know how I could help Justin with anything, but if you ever asked, it'd be a, it would be a yes. You guys you have to do more songs that are together on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Here's John's songs and here's Justin's songs. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Are you still toying with the idea of releasing a Malka album to complement Makai? Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was such a process to get that one done. I feel like uh, by the time that was out, I was already onto the something else. So, but I do appreciate the people that got Makai, and um, I don't know, maybe someday. Who knows? Okay. The the future is wide open at this point. Has your idea of home changed now that you've lived several places? Do the songs One Foot on Sand and Never Forget Where I'm From ring true for you? I mean, I think, you know, as you get older, your sense of home is always evolving to some extent. But those songs represent the idea of home of like where you're from and the comfort of sort of that nostalgia and um, the memories that are that are there. And that will never change. Um, through those songs or how I feel about Hawaii. I think, you know, I th maybe the idea of like my actual home now kind of feels like where, where my dogs are or because I've moved so much. And, and um, so it's those things that are like kind of constant. And so for me, it's just kind of like, as long as I'm in a place that my dogs are at, I'm, I'm good. That feels mm -hmm. like home. That's cool. Okay. Uh, this one comes from uh from Mr. Ed Sugimoto. Hey! <laughs> How is Tennessee living compared to Cali, compared to Hawaii? I can Ooh. imagine they're pretty different. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, the weather here is kind of crazy. It's like pretty cold, at least for me, and rainy and cloudy a lot of the year. And then the summer is so hot and humid and so buggy that you almost like can't be outside. Wow. But, but it say, is beautiful. Did you say muggy or buggy? Both. It's oh. very humid and there's bugs like, I feel like there's new species every day I go outside. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I never knew that existed before. Uh, um, I'm currently scratching my mosquito bites. Uh, ah. But beyond that, I mean, I would say like even the, uh, it's beautiful though. And it is fun to experience seasons because even like Cali doesn't, at least LA doesn't have it very dramatically and seeing fall and spring and all those things. I think that's fun to experience and it, it makes you appreciate sort of the passage of time. Cause it does kind of mark these moments of sure, the year sure, sure, that you sure, don't sure. really have when you're in Hawaii or, or California. Um, I'll say in the music industry, he, the music industry here is, is more of a smaller, tighter knit community. Um, it's also more, be in that club um, and it's very like nine to five compared to like LA where here it's like the writing sessions are booked months in advance uh, and they do one or two a day from like 10 to three and they send you the work tape when you're done and they're on to the next thing wow. and it's you know it's very like structured and regimented um, so yeah that's been interesting uh, yeah 
Hey, speaking of songwriting, are you still of the opinion? You told me once, like, because um, uh, I'm a horrible songwriter, but uh, you're very good. And you said, well, you just have to keep writing because you get all the bad ideas out. You got to get, get them off out on the page and, and out and then the good ideas will come. Are you still mm -hmm. a, a qu quantity writer? No, I, I mean, I, I think that was aspirational because I've never been able to do that very well. I do believe that like a lot of times, what do they call it? The shitty first draft. You got to get your shitty first draft out and then you can do the next thing. I've never been that good at that of just kind of not filtering or um, critiquing things as it was coming. I do try to write more. Um, and I find that most of my ideas start in a, like more of a flow state where I'm just improvising. Okay. And, but then, you know, so yeah, I don't, and I think that they, the quantity and writing in numbers is the way that they do it here. I have a friend, Jimmy Robbins, that writes like hundreds of songs a year and he calls it like competitive songwriting or something. And he's just like, wow. if I, and he's had like, I don't know, I'm just rounding, but like 10 number one country hits and he's 20 or 30 or something like that. Wow, wow, wow. Anyway, but it, it, so like he, that's what he does and he's so quick, like he'll finish the phrase with a great thing. He'll come up with melody after melody after melody and it's amazing to watch. But I think having experienced this, like I just prefer to take up my time and that's kind of what Gone West did too. We, we were like, let's just be really intentional and not do a ton of writing sessions, but with people that we really like. And we we spent a lot of time on each song. We didn't write a ton. And mm -hmm. that's kind of like what I do. I usually, if I finish a song, um, I'll probably put it out because it probably means that I love it the way it is. And um, some of these songs take, I mean, I've had songs take a couple years, but I'd say on average, it's probably like... <laughs> Back to the maternity thing, probably about nine months. <laughs> uh, how did how long did one year together take? <laughs> I don't remember if I wrote any of that, but yeah, I don't know. That was a Kekama Emsley jam. I may yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. added something to it, so I, I wasn't there for the writing. I, I doubt it took nine months, but <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Maybe, I might have been just telling you like, don't be afraid to write some bad songs because right. Oh, it's like with anything you, you need to practice, you need to exercise that. And I, although I write very slowly now, I've been writing since I was like 12, you know, so I, right. I got a lot of crappy songs out and as is proof by many of my albums. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. This is uh Lo Chizuko. Um, when you'll be, when will you be coming back with a solo tour? I'm assuming to Hawaii. Um, but I guess just gigs in general. You usually just pop up places. You're like uh, you're like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you know? Dave Chappelle I'm, will just show up places and yeah. start, you know. I'm exactly like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> um, I mean, so let's, outside of the COVID thing, I would yeah. say, you know, um, we're still in the middle of this Gone West stuff. I would say this will probably continue for the rest of the year. And okay. then uh, after that, um, at least. And then after that, you know, I'm excited to, and I'm already starting to focus back on my solo thing while I have the time now to, to have new music. And, um, I would love to get back and I, I do miss playing, uh, my own stuff. But Na isn't Nashville a lot? Um, I think I remember when we were talking, you said they're much more restrictive with regards to the artists and what they can do outside of, um, sort of the parameters of what 
they have you doing. Is that right? What you mean, like contractually? Contractually, contractually. You know, like you can't get off the bus and go, "Hey, oh, there's a nice little coffee shop. I'm gonna go play over there and do some music and then come back." Um, I don't know if. Okay, so I'm not sure. And this maybe what you're asking me is not actually relevant to Nashville, but yeah, um, I have to be careful about playing solo shows when we're in the middle of promoting our band uh, and putting out my own music because you know they're putting a lot of money and energy we all are and the concern is just that you don't want to do anything that is confusing to fans or competing with your your band stuff so yeah i mean it's it's normal stuff that any record contract would contain how hard was it the transition from playing your contemporary and even hawaiian music into country music well i mean i think you know if you listen to the gone west stuff it's not it's not like bro country and it's not um it's not a huge departure i think some of the my my roots of doing like hawaiian contemporary stuff is not that far from my dog is whining at me it's not that far from um country music nowadays and I actually didn't know that the steel guitar came from Hawaii to country music. I thought yeah. it was the other way around. So oh, I didn't know that either. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, there's a history of like the falsetto stuff that Hank Williams would do. So there's a lot of similarities there. And obviously it's like often acoustic driven and storytelling. And, um, but on our record, I was, I had, I was able to take some liberties. There's a song called new you in which I do kind of like a, a ragamuffin like rap in it. Um, and then I actually do some Hawaiian language at the end of one of the songs, the song that actually ends the album. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's been kind of cool to incorporate, you know, all of our individual flavors into this record and still have it be a country album. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lonnie Kai Babe asks, uh, do you have any sol- solo social media shows from home plan? Not planned. I mean, I've been uh, accepting all the requests that I get for like um, people's graduation videos or I did like a a, a camp for um, kids with cancer and stuff like that. Um, so that's been kind of cool because a lot of times people will ask you if you can come play for their thing. But like if you're not in proximity, it's like right. I want to, but I can't. So this has been kind of fun to be able to contribute in that way. But Maybe I will. If I do, like, maybe I'll, I don't know. Everyone's just doing the streaming thing. So I feel like it's so overdone. But if, if, if there's a good cause that maybe I could promote and get people to, you know, tip me that I would donate to, that, that might be a motivation. And, yeah, I, I would definitely consider that in the future. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, when this COVID thing happened, right, everyone started doing the streaming from their Facebook, you know, their phone. They're just holding their phone. And then over time, you know, it's been getting more and more professional and more and more high tech. And if you watch Devin's No Diggity, it's like they got a full sound system there. And like it's 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 a production now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So well, we have a whole setup behind me that we've been using. Oh yeah. yeah oh that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, I do recognize that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean lighting, cameras, everything now. So it's funny because uh, you know, I feel like we were a little bit on the forefront of that with the high session stuff and, uh, but everyone's all caught up now and everyone's doing it. So they've all figured it out. And, uh, which is great. I mean, cause that was the whole intention was right. Like there was uh, at least locally ho- from a Hawaiian music perspective, I didn't feel like there was enough 
local artists doing that to get the word out like that there's talented people here so the fact that more people are doing it and it took a pandemic to do it is yeah you know I mean, that's the you, silver lining, I guess. I mean, you guys were definitely trailblazers and provided such a wonderful platform for um, Hawaii music artists. Uh, I don't know if you guys get enough credit for that, but I mean, I think a lot of people can, can you know, uh, uh, what is the word? Thank, could, uh, attribute, sorry, attribute <laughs> some of their success to the videos that you've had. Cause it's a, such an important tool to be able to have a high quality thing like that. And I know like Mike Love has gotten tons of views on oh, yeah. you guys and a lot of other artists too. So, so thank you. Yeah. Oh no. I, I, I just enjoy like being a part of the music scene and, and everyone is so like, like I tell everybody, there's 99% of everybody I've ever met in the music business has been super cool in Hawaii, like super helpful, super nice. And then everyone wants to know, well, who's the 1% that wasn't so cool. But I keep that sealed. I'll tell you in private, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like everybody's so cool and you, you just want to kind of like give back in some way and try to help and, and just be a part of it. So I just appreciate guys like you that when I asked when we first started, like, Hey, I got this uh, YouTube channel. Can you, can you record your songs? And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll come down. And it was not even a, yeah, it's it's like I would do anything for you, but it also I can't even. It wasn't like a selfless act because, like, oh, you're gonna shoot high, put on free? Hell yeah! I mean, who's, who's <laughs> not gonna do that? You're, you're giving something to the artist. It's very valuable. Yeah, yeah, but it was fun. Hey Dev, so uh, let's do the island. Uh, let's do the island question. Ah, okay. This will be a good so, one, Justin. Desert Island Discs, you can take three albums with you. Three albums? Three albums. They cannot be greatest hits albums. What are your three albums that you want to take? Uh, Voodoo. D'Angelo's Voodoo. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm trying to think. Any David Ryan Harris album <laughs> and any Leanne Le Havis record. Ah, I can't think of the names of their albums. Sorry, in this that's, that's, that's an easy way to cheat the whole system. So yeah, I mean, I can look them up on my phone for you, but who has time for that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that I didn't get a Stevie Wonder or Boys to Men out of you. Okay, I'll take those too. I don't know. I was just like <laughs> Leanne, Leanne and, and DRH are like, oh, man. I just that's it, man. Those voices and those songs just do it for me. And uh, and the Voodoo record is just so funky and and just it's timeless so those are the first that came to mind but mm. now, do you, with that those kind of influences do you feel like uh, i don't know um you know the rest of your band what their influences are but with that heavy r&b um background did that did that add to the flavor of the gone west style yeah it's not straight country right no, I mean, no. it is but but i mean you can it's incorporate not, some of it yeah. i mean it's not straight country it's not like traditional country yeah. Um, so no, like, yeah, you, you, there's, I take, I try and <laughs> be restrained on like some of the licks and stuff, but I'll sneak in there like one or two. And then when we play live, I get to open up a little bit more vocally, but, um, no, I think, you know, Jason comes from more of a, a folk and songwriter background, Bob Dylan and, ah. um, Nelly grew up on the Beatles and she really grew up on country music. Uh, so she is like legit country 
and Colby, you know, has like that kind of seventies rock Fleetwood Mac influence. Mm-hmm. So I think they all, you know, come together in a really cool way. That is nice. Mm-hmm. All when right. you were young, just growing up in Hawaii, who was your musical influences then? Uh, like island music wise, I mean, John Cruz, Carl Crater Boys, Julio Hanna, uh, Dennis Paval, uh, Island Rhythms when I was in high school was my jam. Uh, <laughs> Tropical Nights, uh, Fiji was big. Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but. Hey, so, um, let me ask you this cause it's been a while since we talked, um, what was your biggest like walk out on stage and feel like, whoa, this is a, this is a big deal moment, you know, Cause um, you played at the shell and you've played at the grand Ole Opry and you've played mm-hmm. all over the place. Like, is there any one performance that you felt like, Oh, this is kind of a kind of more than just a regular gig. I mean, well, I guess there's a couple different ways to answer this question. Like, Feeling-wise, there, there's been a couple times this past year where, like, we played with um, Open for George Strait in Vegas in the arena, and, like, oh. you're in the middle of the arena. And when we did the single, what could have been, and everyone had their flashlight, and it's just a sea of stars around you, and you're singing this song that you've been, um, you know, spent two and a half years working on this thing and been so exhausted and to, to you know, see people like it, like, there's been a couple of times where I've been choked up just feeling overwhelmed with mm. um, appreciation that we've, that, you know, how far we've come with stuff. Um, and then there's the other kinds of stuff that are just like big deals that are so scary, like, um, you know, playing, doing the national anthem with Colby for stuff that's nationally televised or when we did the national anthem at the white house for the Easter egg roll oh, with the yeah, Obama. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was, that's just, you're in the white house, like waiting to go out there and, Michelle and the first lady and president Obama come in and there, and he was so cool. And he was like, you guys doing all right. And you know, and we're like, Oh, we're so nervous. And he's like, well, that's why I never follow the Easter bunny. And like, just trying to make this, <laughs> loosen us up. And you're just like, well, how did I get here? This is, this is amazing. Yeah. And I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Huh. yeah th- oh. Those are, those are, those are good examples. Hmm. I yeah. remember watching you play um, the national anthem during was it the World Series or was it just like a, a major league baseball game? Right? That's yeah, we did a World Series game. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I know that guy, and he's singing the national anthem <laughs> at the World Series. That is amazing, you know. And it it just made me proud to see where you came from, you know. Uh, thanks, you know, man. From when you're young to to now, and how yeah. music's progressed over the years, it's incredible to see that. I mean. I, it is nice to have moments like that where you can just appreciate how far you've come, you know, and how long the road has been. And uh, it's easier to appreciate it after the song's done and you have not <laughs> ruined the, the, the song for the country in front of everyone in the, you know, watching. But yeah. uh, I got to remember that the words were up on the screen. Oh, yeah. I wasn't singing it anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you're playing yeah. it tough. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to mess up the singer. Like, that would be the worst thing. Like, you're just a guitar player. So I almost feel like more pressure backing up somebody because this isn't your gig. Like, you're, you just need to – also, I'm less comfortable playing guitar than singing. 
So like my own stuff, if I mess up, I kind of know how to recover and fake it. But if I mess somebody else up, like that is just the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there um, one of the songs that, you know, you play as a solo artist that you never get tired of playing over and over again? I know Dave Grohl was asked that question one time from the Foo Fighters and he said Everlong was one of the songs hmm. he never gets tired of playing wow. because of, I guess, the, the emotions that come out of it and also the emotions from the audience that comes out of it. Yeah. Is there any song that you have in particular that you never get tired of playing? That's a good question. That's a great song too. Um, well, I would say, you know, I have like some newer songs and newer just like, I think I released them a year and a half ago before we signed this record deal. And maybe because I haven't played them a lot, but when I wrote these three songs, I really just wanted to write like straight from me and not, not, and not try not to filter it and just, and not worry about what it sounded like. And um, there's a song called Old Darling that every time I play it, I just, it just feels, feels good. It just feels right. And I notice a difference. I have a different experience when I sing, sing these songs, and I think it's because of the way that they were created. Um, also, One Foot on Sand, man, I, and that's something that I always throw on my set no matter where I am, even if it's, and it's often not, the crowd has no connection to Hawaii or, you know, and I don't know, that there's something about that that always makes me feel like I'm, you know, singing for everyone back home, and uh, it, it just kind of takes me out of the being in that small place and worrying about like, Oh, do I sound good? Or do I look good? Or how are they liking it? And it really just kind of puts me in the right frame of mind to just kind of be open and let it come out. And I'm always surprised because I'll, you know, do like 45 minutes and one, one song that has Hawaiian in it or whatever, that's not something that I think anybody was expecting. And that's often what people gravitate towards that have never been to Hawaii, never heard Hawaiian music. Yeah. One foot on sand has been like the unofficial anthem in Hawaii. <laughs> that, song, that song rings so hard for everybody and everybody can relate to it it's even for my brand you know i know i asked you if we could use it for one of our one of our promotional things and until you know, today that that song is to me the epitome of um my brand <laughs> you hawaii everything you know it's such a great song so thanks man and that was like you know that song i don't i don't ever got played on the radio so i never yeah. i never thought it was it had done anything and then like years after it came out, I would start hearing like, oh, we use it as our class song for graduation. Yeah, and yeah. Um, one of my friends was telling me from uh, Kona said like, you know, all the boys sang it at the funeral of, of one of their best friends. And that song is just, you know, means a lot to them. And having not even known that anybody really heard it and then to have it kind of take on a life of its own has been really cool. It's kind of like um, today's generation of um, many classic moments by Kalapana. Oh yeah, That's what I relate it to you know, like the one song that rings true, you know, to everything about Hawaii. That that song is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, I mean, it's like I felt like I was in a unique position as a someone making, you know, music for Hawaii that wasn't living there, and I could be like an advocate for the experience of people that have gone away and missed missed it, or had gone away and felt you know um, torn about being excited to be away from home and experiencing new things and feeling mm -hmm. guilty about not being at home. So, um, you know, I, I felt like I was in a unique those people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, Jess, uh, for, to, 
we're getting toward the end here, but I want to touch on uh, My Hero Shadow before we, uh, before we wrap up here. So uh, My Hero Shadow is, is a movie that you directed, right? It's mm-hmm. a documentary about the, uh, the person who uh, assaulted Nancy Kerrigan back in the, the 90s. And it was an excellent movie. Like I, I really, I saw it in the theater uh, when it was at the film festival and I've, I've uh, really been telling everybody about it, but what is the status on that? Is there going to be a, a way for people to see that soon? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I've been working on it literally until probably two months ago and uh, we, we retitled it. It's now uh, my hero, the Hitman. I made a lot of um, changes to the edit. I ended up having to score the whole thing. Um, and so it's, oh. it's, it's been, it's been the hardest and most work I've ever put into one creative project, but I'm really happy with how it came out. And I mean, getting feedback at, at HIF and, you know, even from, just from you guys really meant so much cause I worked on it for so long and you just never know. Um, I've never done it before. So, but you um, know what? Watching that movie is how I saw Devin do no diggity. I was expecting something and I thought, wow, this is really good. I had very low expectations. Unlike Devin, I am always happy to benefit from low expectations. So thank you. It was good. Uh, It was one of my favorite movies that year that I saw. I can't remember what year that. It was 2018, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to do a one-word movie review, I mean, you know, go for it. I did. No, I did a whole – I'll do another one. You did. You did. You did. Uh, So – it's finally done and I had to, you know, we had to get uh, lawyers to clear all the footage and then I had oh. to use all the photos. And so it's been a long, long process, but it's all done and uh, we're figuring out distribution. So I would hope by the end of the year, before the end of the year, it'll be out on your, you know, available to watch on your TV. But I mean, it's such a, it's a beautiful story of a relationship between a sister and a brother who happens to have been the person that attacked Nancy Kerrigan um, and for her, he's always been her hero. So it kind of shows another side. And there's a quote by um, Brian Stevenson that I kind of used as the, the guiding um, theme, which is each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And I think he's a good example of that. I think you could, so, cause there's Amazon that could use it. There's Netflix that could use it. You could do a theatrical release. I mean, there's so many different options for, you know, I mean, also too, ESPN keeps doing all these, um, Sports documentaries and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and it's a, you know, it's it's a little bit of a stretch to say it's a sports documentary, but I think um, it, it can fit in so many different genres. How does that work? Like, how do you shop something like that? Well, we've had um, a couple different people that just do that as their job. Yeah. Um, that took it on. We have had a li- some interest in that. I mean, which is great from some big independent distributors. It's not going to be theatrical, but it's hard, man. If you don't have a big star attached to your, your documentary, it's, it's really hard to get anything other than just like, yeah, we'll put it up and you have to go promote it. And if it does well, that's cool. I mean, that's kind of like where we're at right now. Um, and sports docs are really hard unless you have like Michael Jordan in them to get any sort of like money. So I think at, at minimum, we're going to have an opportunity to have it distributed by a, a a, a, a huge um, independent distributor that can get it out to the outlets. Um, and then I'm hoping that word of mouth and just like, you know, you guys saw it and people that have seen it, I think it's one of those things that they'll tell their friends. Uh, obviously we'll do try and do some PR too, but 
Um, I'm kind of hoping that it's, it's like one foot on sand where it, <laughs> you release it into the wild and it surprises you. Yeah. Well, in editing, what did you do? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, did you change your tone somewhere? Did you feel like, you know, some, were there major things that needed to change or? No, not major things. I think um, I had the benefit of um, having some time away from it. And then when I came back to it and I had to, make some changes just based on the licensing of the footage and the pictures. So then I just kind of decided to start revamping certain sections that I felt like um, could flow better. So we trimmed some of the fat. I think um, there was a few things and we updated it because, you know, things have changed for both of them. Um, mm. So the update at the end is a little different, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's not, there's nothing dramatically different. It's just some of the, you know, little things that I think it just, Um, John, yeah, is is it okay to ask him about the stuff that I sent you on my phone? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't look at. Look I try phone. not to look at my phone when I'm doing the. Uh, you can ask me whatever you want, man. Oh, um. See, look, look. I don't know. It's kind of a downer, but not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a well. I, I, you know, with the loss of um, Willie and uh, with uh, Kalana um, yesterday, Pakele. I was just curious, um, your memories, do you have memories of, of playing with Willie, of, of moments on stage with those guys and, and, and doing music? Because, you know, the, the musician, um, the musician Ohana is a, is a small group of people, you know, so. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't know either of them that well. I didn't know Kalana much. I was just a fan. Um, I, obviously, I've met him before, but um, uh Willie, I've played his uh, golf tournament a few times and he was always so generous and kind and um, complimentary. And you know, everywhere I've traveled, like if people know two musicians, it's Israel, obviously, and people know Willie Kay. And I think his his okay. talent was um, transcended Hawaii. And people, people recognize that. Um, I got to open for him I think he was doing like, a, what was it called? Like the Barefoot Natives or something like that at one point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Barefoot yeah, Natives, Gilliam. Eric Gilliam, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, at Temple Bar in LA. And that was a really cool experience way back in the days. Um, so, I mean, really, I was just a fan of both of them. And it's just uh, shocking, especially like, Colana so young, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it just goes to, to you know, um, the, the people who appreciate Hawaiian music and play Hawaiian music, I always tell them, you know, you just got to keep, keep doing it because as these guys go, we need young talent to come and fill yeah. the void, you know, and, and keep it going. And if there's not enough people playing, then that craft gets lost. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, and by the way, keep doing uh, the R&B flavored stuff and you know I, I, it's been it's been fascinating to watch your career and i think i mentioned this to you before because you know we, we sat down and talked about this but watching the flow of your career from you know where you started uh you know kind of doing uh hawaiian-ish hawaiian-ish doing stuff and then you go to the mainland and you get a little more well actually a lot more r&b um and then you know moving into country and stuff and i think you're to me you're one of those few artists that can do it sort of seamlessly you know but it, and it's and it's actually followed an actual sort of decision on your part to do these things it's mm -hmm. not because anybody was forcing you or said mm -hmm. okay justin you have to do this kind of music i mean they've they've tried 
<laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't work very well because every because because your your musical gift is such that you kind of are able to morph it into a bunch of different stuff and, and i think you feel like there's another uh i guess another layer that's going to be coming soon right yeah uh th- thank you man uh, i've been referred to as a chameleon before musically um i think you know i just love different kinds of music outside of country everything else was sort of my like i was just going going gravitating towards the things that i liked uh, and not that i don't like country but country this country change was me just going like i'm gonna take my hands off the steering wheel and just go with where and this is this is an opportunity that's happening i'm not gonna swim upstream i'm gonna just go and flow with you know where uh, life is leading me and be open to it because i never would have i mean if you told me i was gonna be a country band living in nashville five years ago i would i would not have believed you (laughs) um but i'm grateful that i've done it's been a great experience and yeah i do feel like you know, there's a lot of change going on right now in the in, in the world, really. And I do feel like um, I'm excited for the next thing. And I, uh, yeah. Um, well, we'll be excited when your polka album drops. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but um, the last thing is you golf? I didn't know you golf. I don't golf. Oh, oh you just played <laughs> the tournament. No, I I played music. Music. Oh, you played music at the tournament. Oh, I see. I thought you played in the tournament. Oh, okay. I was at the 19th hole with my guitar waiting for everybody to finish up. (laughs) I see. I see. Okay. All right. Well, Abe, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, As usual, you always come through for me. Like, I've I've never had a moment where I've asked you and you said no or called me stupid or whatever. So I appreciate that. Not to his face, at least. Yeah. I mean, And then you get stuck. You're looking at like great things. So, but I would do it anyway. I uh, I would do anything for you guys. I love all you guys. You guys are oh, have always been so generous and helpful and supportive to me. And uh, you always ask me to do cool sh- shit. So thank you for asking me. But you can ask me to do anything, and I'm down. Even if it's you know going to watch Devin sing No Diggity. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm telling Dude, you, man. I'll next have time, you, I'll have you know. Just just <laughs> so we're clear. <laughs> I also sang uh, when the morning comes. Okay, just so oh, okay, all right. Once <laughs> another song to look forward to. Another song. So. I've heard House at Pooh Corner from Devin, so he's oh, okay. right. He's okay, so mixing it up. But the uh, next next gig, next uh, Y2J gig is uh, No Diggity. Got to be on there. The, and Cupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, everything from the nineties. Let's go. No doubt. Okay, thanks guys. Thanks for everything. I'm glad I recorded this one. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes until next time. Hey, have a good evening and uh, and a good week. Invite me back. It's going down, face to black shit. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, that dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers.